The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Suffice to say, by way of a quick introduction, this is a shepherding psalm. Okay? David, who was uh, penned this psalm, as we're told, had been a shepherd. He's now a king, but he's still looks back to those days and writes this gorgeous psalm about his experiences as a shepherd, but reflecting on the fact that the Lord is his shepherd and he puts himself clearly in the position of the sheep. Um, I think I said this last time, the way of the shepherd had not changed in a thousand years. So when David penned this as King David, a thousand years before Jesus was born... Nothing much had changed in the way of what a shepherd did, the conditions in which he worked, and the environment in which he worked in. So when Jesus talks about being the good shepherd, when he talks about heading off and collecting the one that strolled from the 99, these are imageries that the people would fully grasp and understand. Why? Because things hadn't changed. And they'd seen shepherds, they know shepherds, they know what shepherds do. And so this is very common to them. For us... It's not quite the same. I guess the closest you've ever come to a shepherd is in a book, or perhaps seen the modern-day equivalent of them on their quad bikes across the hills of Devon and the likes, you know, with a couple of dogs rounding up sheep, that sort of thing. Or maybe, if you're old enough, like me, you go back, do you remember a series called One Man and His Dog? Yeah, sort of a... This is a personal view. Sorry for those of you at home. That must be the most boring series that ever was put on by the BBC. And yet I couldn't... Lots of people thought differently because there were series after series of this program that ran, I think, up to about the late 90s. So you can see why I say you've got to be of a certain age. But if you've seen one border collie (laughs) round up a load of sheep, surely you've seen it all. But no, it went on for series and series. Anyway, that's a bit of an aside, but I do remember that. So what I'm getting at is we need a little bit of an explanation for some of these lines about what it actually meant. So as I say, as we pick up with this, David is referring to the Lord as his shepherd, the one who provides, the one who meets the flock's needs, the one who always refreshes, the one who always sustains the people, the one who provides resources for David, both physically And for him, spiritually. So this is where we're going to join. We're going to join in the second part of of verse 3. And it says, He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Or your interpretation may be, He guides me along right paths, but for his name's sake. What does that mean? Shepherds of the East lead their sheep. Okay? They lead their sheep. They're not in the middle of the sheep. They don't follow behind. If you're in my mind's eye, I always think of the shepherd at the back somehow. I don't know why, but it's wrong. He leads the sheep. And he leads the sheep for very good reason in those terrains, because it's dangerous. Okay? So you've got to get out of your head this pastoral vision of a shepherd in the middle of some rolling meadow. It's not like that out there. It's very dangerous. There's danger at every turn. 
And that's why he leads. Why he leads? Because otherwise it could be over a cliff edge, it could be down some ravine, it could be a, if the path is not well known. So it's, it, it, he is the one who leads and the sheep follow. Can we see this in Jesus? He is the one that leads and we are the ones that follow. When our faith and trust is placed in Jesus Christ and we follow him all the days of our lives, then he is the one who guides. He is the one who leads us. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who's experienced and knows the way just as the shepherds of old would be experienced and know the best way for the sheep. So there's the analogy. That's the connection. That he leads us in those paths of righteousness and our confidence can firmly be in him. But let me ask you a question. If your faith this morning is rooted in Jesus Christ, if you are trusting in him as your good shepherd, as you are following him all the days of your life, not just saying, ah, yeah, I was saved back 13, 14, 15 years ago. I'm doing my own thing. No, we're following him. We're, we're, good, we're good sheep. We're good sheep. We're following the good shepherd. What happens to those who put their, their faith in false shepherds? What happens to those who put their faith in the wrong shepherd? The shepherds who say they know the way, but they don't know the way. What happens to those people? How many go along with beliefs right up till today of those who say, yeah, this is the right way, this is the assured way, and yet those ways inevitably lead out into the wilderness? Certainly not to the green pastures, not to the resting places, not as promised. Perhaps doesn't think me to tell you that many, many, many people are out there are lost. They are lost. They are without a shepherd. They're isolated. They've put their hope in the wrong thing or they have no hope at all. Now, you may say, well, hold on a minute. You might go out there and people say, well, I don't follow anyone. I'm not following any shepherd. But you're following the way of the world. You're following the way of its it's, it's system. You're following in the way of the way that the world works. That shepherd may cause lots of things. It could even be called finances. You know, I'm secure. I don't care what's raging around me because I know what I've got in the bank and I know what's... Listen, there's many things shepherds can be called. And you're effectively led by that thing. It may have a name, and it may be a loved one. It may be someone who's close, who you really respect, and you've put your faith firmly in that person. But people are frail, and people fail. You might also, yes, of course, it may be a false religion. It may be a, it may be a philosophy that someone follows. But all these things are shepherds, and it's things that people follow. But it leads along the wrong path. You know, it may be that the track starts off well with these false shepherds. It may be that, this is very encouraging. The way forward is clear. I know the way I'm going invariably it will lead to a cliff edge. It will lead to the wilderness place. It's not the right shepherd that that person is following. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. Jesus is not ever going to lead you into the wilderness place. He is not going to leave you lost and afraid. He is not going to leave you at the bottom of one of life's pits, hurt, abandoned, exhausted, alone. He's not going to leave you hungry and abandoned. He is not. Your life could be in a bit of a mess. 
If you're watching this at home, your faith isn't in Christ, you could be in a bit of a mess. But let me tell you, there's one that if you are prepared to call to him, will find you in the place that you're at. And he will come and he will meet you. He will restore you. He will guide you. He will lead you if you put your faith and trust in him. He does lead us in paths of righteousness because it's the nature of his character to follow, to care, to provide for his flock. And then we come in verse 4, first part of verse 4, perhaps the most famous line in the whole of this psalm, even though I walk through the, uh, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Or even if, if, if I walk through the darkest valley, not all interpretation speaks of the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. Listen, sometimes the shepherd, back in those days, had no other way to go. If he wanted to go from A to B, there was no other choice sometimes but to go through the dark valley. He had to go through the gloomy place. It wasn't out of choice. It was out of necessity. There's no other route. I've got to go that way. The ravines and the gorges in that part in Palestine, I've read, are so deep, some of them, so deep, that even the, the hot midday summer sun does not penetrate the valley floor. So if the shepherd leads down into that valley, it's in the gloom, it's in the darkness, and it's where predators and dangers lurk at every turn. And that is what we're talking about here when David speaks of the, the, the valley place. Apparently, and it makes abundant sense, when sheep are in that dangerous situation, they bunch up. They bunch up and they stay close to the shepherd. They're not moving they're moving, just inching forward. And you think, yeah, I'd be the same. <laughs> Especially when you don't know what's around it in the next corner. But I can say to you this. The one of the things that we can misconstrue as being in Christ is believing that God will keep his flock from the valley places. That you believe in Christ that he will keep you from that dark valley floor. Now, we should have no doubt whatsoever that God truly is our rock, our fortress, our strong tower, our ever-present help. And he will protect you and has already protected you from more things than you will ever know about this side of heaven. But, and there is a but, if we think that our faith protects us from all and every difficult situation in life... We put ourselves at risk at some point in our lives of thinking, God's let me down. God hasn't been who he said he has been, who would be. He hasn't protected me. He hasn't done all he could have done, all he should have done, to protect in that situation. Now, we know that through David's experience, that on the occasion that there was no other route, he speaks of these things. The shepherd was compelled to take the sheep through the dark valley. But interesting that David in our psalm doesn't say, oh, Lord, don't take me through the dark valley. What does he say? He says that he asserts that when he's there, he will not be afraid. Makes a big difference. He's not saying, don't take me. He says, I will not be afraid. Or in the translation, he says, I will have no fear. Why? Why is that? Because God is there right in the midst of the situation. God is with him in the valley. 
God is with us in the dark place. God is with us. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's there. Jesus never said that if you have faith in me, yeah, you'll avoid all sorts of trouble. No, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But guess what? I've overcome the world, and I'm with you. Praise God. This is the interpretation of this. Um, he assures us that he's right there in the middle of the circumstance. Do you remember the disciples on that boat in Galilee? The storm, it was going to sink them. These are seasoned fishermen. Lord, do you not care that we're going to die? He was there in the middle of the storm. He's there in the middle of your storm. He's there in the middle of my storm. Why? Because he's promised to never leave or forsake. And he will guide and he will strengthen. He says in Matthew 28, 20, And surely I am with you some of the time, occasionally, when I fancy it. No. Always to the very end of the age. Amen. His love, his peace, his guidance, his good grace are with us always. And he can be trusted in the valleys as much as he can on the hilltops. Then in the second part of verse 4, we have your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Really? <laughs> a rod and a staff? They comfort me? Now, we know that David spoke. When he spoke to Saul, do you remember when he spoke to Saul ahead of him going in to fight Goliath? that he spoke to Saul about, hey, look, when I was with looking after my father's sheep, I would often have to fight off a wild animal or something. You know, he speaks of these things. And so to do so, a rod, or as we might call it, a club, would need to be hand. It wouldn't just be his bare hands. He would need a steady, sturdy club in which to fight the predator that's coming against the sheep. And the rod, in the same way, speaks, of, therefore, of God's protection over us. David used it to fight off bears and wolves and lions that, 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 that were still in that, uh, that, that were in Palestine at that time. And God goes before us to defend us against our enemies. Now, the staff, I guess, is more familiar to us. Yeah, we can picture a staff. It was, it was about six foot long, but rarely, 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 apparently, did it ever have a crook on the end of it. So it's not like Bo Peeps, all right? So take that. It didn't look like that. It just was a staff. And that staff would be used for all sorts of things. It could be used for, for levering out sheep if it got stuck in a crevice or a ditch. It could be used for pulling down high branches so that the, feed, so the sheep could feed on the fruit of that tree. Or, or, or occasionally, it would be used to give them a prod if they stepped out of line. Now, now sheep have got this fantastic sort of reputation of just following one another, sheep-like. We've all heard it, but they also have a huge reputation of getting lost. And if they do get lost, and you might recall what I said, they've only got a vision of about 30 meters, apparently even at the prime of their sight. So if they wander, guess what? They're in danger because they're cut off, they're alone, and they're not able to be close to where the action is with the shepherd and where the other sheep are. So there are all problems if they try. This is why Jesus talks about the 99 again, because he knows that people will understand this. And he goes and, uh, and finds that, nine, that, that lost sheep to bring them back to the fold. So the shepherd would use his staff to keep the sheep out, the sheep out of danger and close to himself. And so together, yes, the rod and the staff would be used in conjunction by the good shepherd for the protection of his flock. They're there for good purpose. So we know and we can understand that Jesus seeks to protect us. 
But you may say, well, hold on, you were just saying he doesn't protect. I didn't say he didn't protect. I said, but in the valley floor, he is there with us, but that he can still be relied upon thoroughly and entirely to keep us from going astray and for keeping us close and for protecting us from all sorts of dangers and all sorts of problems. And then, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil, my cup, it overflows. When the shepherd would want the sheep to rest, when he wanted to rest, what he would do, he would go and find an area of land where he could see all around him. He wants to be able to see all around him, so he would find this area. We could call it a table, we could call it a plateau, but once he's found such an area, he would then sort of check it out for dangers, for enemies. What enemies? Surely if the, you, know, you can see. No, check out snake holes, poisonous grasses, things that grew in that area that was dangerous to the sheep. He would check it thoroughly to check the potential of enemies, even in his chosen plateau, his chosen table. So you can see that, hold on, the Lord prepares a table for me, the shepherd prepares a table before the sheep, even in the presence of the enemies, He's there and he's checked it out. Now, we know the author of this is King David. He had many enemies. Some of his worst enemies were his own family, as we well know. But he had enemies. And yet, what he speaks of here is he effectively says, I am seated at the Lord's table and I am protected from my enemies. So, he's referring to something called guest rights with the Lord never heard of that. A host in those days, and it keeps, and it follows pretty much to this day as well. If you're a host in those parts of the world, you are responsible for the welfare of your guest entirely, to protect your guests whilst they remain under your roof. And so David is referring to his guest rights with the Lord. I am in the presence of the Lord. I am seated at the table of the Lord. I have guest rights with the Lord I will not fear my enemies, even though my enemies are all around me. So this part of the, the verse clearly speaks of God's provision, God's continual provision and protection, and his intent of meeting our needs at all times, even though in the presence of my enemies, he's prepared that table for me. And then this second part says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. When the sheep are brought into a fold, and it may not be a purpose-built fold. It could be a temporary one. It might, be a, it might be a cave. It may be just something really... If they're on a journey, there would have been these provisions of makeshift folds. But one thing they always had in common, there was always water nearby. And there was always a narrow entrance so that only one sheep could come in at a time. And as the sheep came in, then the shepherd would check them Apparently, sheep's heads are particularly vulnerable, I was reading, for scratches and bruising and that that come from vicious thorns and the like. So he would check each one and then anoint, as it were, their head with the oil if they needed healing as they come into the sheepfold. Now, olive oil has great anti-inflammatory properties. So olive oil was used, and, and, and that was, that's the image, as it were, of the shepherd and his flock and what happens when they come into the sheepfold. Now, when we read in the word of someone being anointed or something being anointed with oil, 
It speaks of God's great blessing, doesn't it? It speaks of being set apart. It speaks of rich blessings provided by God. Now, we haven't just had the oil of blessing, as it were, to, to, to bring us health and healing physically, as with a sheep. We've been blessed with the oil of faith, with the oil of gladness. We've been blessed and anointed so that our faith is placed in Jesus Christ. We've been given by the Father a rich life and a rich inheritance with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Truly, our cup overflows. We've been provided for. And because we've been provided by God, if we follow that Lord's leading through our lives, we can be confident of that place at the Lord's table that I was just referring to. We're anointed with that oil of blessing. We're provided for abundantly. Simply, simply through our faith in Jesus Christ and following him all the days of our lives to take us through to the end. Let me tell you this very interesting thing about sheep. When all is fine and they're out on the hillside and they're grazing, one or two may pop up their heads occasionally and look for the sheep. Oh, there he is. Fine, head down, whilst the rest are grazing. If the alarm bell sounds, if the shepherd sounds the alarm, all heads up, and where do they go? Where's the danger? What can I do to get out of this? What can I do to overcome this? Where can I go to so I'd be safe? Where can... No, no, they don't do that. Every head comes up, bang, onto the shepherd. What are you telling us to do? They don't even look, apparently, as to where the danger is coming from. Even if it's a marauding wolf, or, they're not looking at that. What do you want us to do, shepherd? What a beautiful analogy for us in life. How many times do you and I have situations where the alarm bell sounds in our life and we go, what can I do? Where can I go? Who can I get solace from? Where can I, where, what doctor's available? What? How many times do we go, what am I to do, Jesus? What am I to do? What are your plans for me in this? Where is your guidance for me in this? Just like the sheep do. The shepherding psalm. Brilliant picture. Surely, it says in verse 6, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. Now, we know that God goes before us, as with the shepherd going before his flock, but he protects us from the rear as well. He protects all around it says in Psalm 139, verse 5, you hem me in behind and before. That is the protection of our Lord. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think the interpretation of this final verse is the journey is at an end. The day is at an end. The long day on the hillside for the sheep, or maybe the journey that they're on from going from one place to another is at, a, at an end for that day. They've been led by the faithful shepherd to the sheepfold. They can lay down. They can no rest. For the sheep, a new day is going to dawn. Next day, they're going to be up. They're going to be led out to pasture or along that journey. And for us, by God's grace, we're going to be given many, many more days where we're in the Lord's oversight, where we're in his care and his leading. However, the day will come when we shall pass from this life and we will go to the one that we have been prepared for, where we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
And how we spend our time in this life, and most particularly how we follow the good shepherd in this life, the one who laid down his life for the sheep at Calvary, is key to those who want to hear those wonderful words spoken of in Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. We must remember that God is faithful always and without exception. And it's a promise that we can be assured at through the trials of our lives. In his tests, in the valley paths, in the places that he leads us, on the mountaintops where everything is rosy, his mercy and his goodness will follow you all the days of your life. And it's his invitation to dwell in his house through the invitation of his son all the days of our lives when our time here on earth comes to an end. What's our role in all of this? Well, it's quite simple. We follow the good shepherd. <laughs> we listen to his calling and we are attentive to his word and to what he teaches us in his word and by his spirit. Let me just finish by asking you this. What's the situation in your life? First of all, let me ask you this in this room and you at home. Have you placed your faith in this good shepherd? Have you put your hope and trust in the one true shepherd who can be relied upon to get you to the journey's end and to provide resource along the way? Jesus Christ, the shepherd of the flock. Because he does invite every single one of us to be part of his flock. It's not, ah, yes, yeah, all right for them. It's all right for them. It's not all right for me. Listen, we can have the certain knowledge of his leading, his security, his blessing every morning. That is being provided for us because he is trustworthy and he will never let us down. We've sung the song, Promise Keeper. He has promises for you and me and he keeps them. And he's secure. we can be secure in them. And he will bring you through to God's eternal table where you should take your place. So if you do not know Jesus this morning, you do not know of this salvation, you do not know of this hope beyond of what I've said, I really, please, please do urge you to speak to somebody before you go. Don't let it pass. It's too precious to let it pass. But you can ask and someone will tell you. And if they, if they, if they feel that they need to pass you on to someone, they will. But please, make inquiry. Because the shepherd is calling you. He said, well, I'm not in a life's ditch at the moment. Life's sort of all right. Yeah, but you are alone. And he wants to embrace you with all things that are good. Perhaps you're under pressure in your own life. Your faith is in Christ. But you know, there's a difficulty going on. How am I going to get over this? I'm confronting this. I'm confronting that. Whatever circumstance, whatever situation. Let me please encourage you to return to this psalm. Just go home and reread it. Maybe think of some of the things I've said. But allow the Spirit to speak to you through it. God wants to revive you through it. His words and his psalms are there for revival. They're not there just, oh, that's beautiful prose, isn't it? No, it's about talking to your spirit through those who have suffered similar things in the years gone before. Psalm 23 fits that bill exactly because he wants you to be revived in his unfailing, unending, his limitless, his beautiful, his faithful love to you and to me. This is a beautiful psalm. It is a wonderful psalm and one that we should regularly return to. Praise God for that. And so, yes, please, turn your attention to it. 
and allow the Lord to speak to you through it. Jesus is the good shepherd. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.